Thanks be to God. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I'm going to tip my hand right off the bat uh, in this sermon. Usually a preacher likes to let the tension build before the denouement of the gospel's relief. But uh, in this time of pandemic, there are enough uh, guessing games out there without having to throw your Sunday sermon into the mix. And plus, let's be honest, Zoom preaching and Zoom listening a cause for its own rules. I'm preaching on the first part of the gospel passage that Lizzie just read uh, this morning. The authorities question Jesus's own authority, and they question it with a trick question, which in typical fashion, Jesus does not answer. But I'm going to try to give it a shot. And here it is. The point of the passage and the point of the sermon. So, uh, let me just ask, because it's right off the bat, are you ready for it? Do you need to, do you need to get yourself situated? Uh, do I have your attention? Do you need uh, to hit pause and go refill your coffee? Maybe get your children settled down just for a few minutes? How about putting down your phone? Hmm? Yeah, I do that too. And Or at least finish the text that you're sending right now. Put it down. Maybe you go to the 5 o'clock service and you need to top off your glass of wine. Uh, well, go do it. I mean, I know how it is. I'm a church watcher. So in the words of Mrs. Lucas, who was an administrator at my high school, Douglas Freeman High School in Richmond, who regularly came on the intercom system with a very odd voice, which we mocked, uh, she would get on and go, Is this thing on? Is this thing on? May I have your attention, please? So that's my question to you. Do I have it? Here it is. The dual points of the passage and sermon are summed up in St. Augustine's prayer to God. And that prayer is this, diffidam mihi fidam in te. Nothing like a little Latin, I know, to add some zing to your day. Uh, but if your Latin's rusty or you didn't uh, look up the Latin pronunciation guide on the interweb like I did, here's the translation. I will distrust myself. I will trust in you. I will distrust myself. I will trust in you. Now, we'll impact the meaning of that via this gospel passage, but if that's all you remember, then the preacher will have done his job today. Even if the fast-forward button is tempting you right now and you press it, and you remember one thing, that, then you're golden. I will distrust myself. I will trust in you. So, for all of you still hanging in there with me, let's get back to the text. The setting of this confrontation in Matthew is Holy Week. It's probably a Tuesday. Uh, after the triumphal entry, <clears throat> excuse me, after the cleansing of the temple, but before Monday, Thursday, before Good Friday, the powers that be, <coughs> excuse me, are still out to kill Jesus, and they use the same ploy that they did at the beginning of his ministry, which is question his authority. They baited him with questions, baited questions, in hopes of trapping him in some chargeable offense. 
and that offense would be his authority. By whose authority do you do these things, Jesus of Nazareth? Jesus' authority is the leitmotif uh, of the narrative of the Gospels, uh, of their problem, the Pharisees' problem with this man from Nazareth. Now, although the question is designed as a kind of like spider web uh, in which to snare him, it's a good question too, isn't it? Because what happened? Jesus just waltzed onto the scene, teaching, correcting the old law, healing, water walking, bread multiplying, criticizing the religious leaders up one side and down the other. And yet, who was this guy? I mean, they knew him as the uncredentialed carpenter's son from a town on the wrong side of the tracks. In other words, whoa now, fella. I mean, who made you the boss of us? Where, where do you get off saying all these things? Well, that's the point that Jesus is in fact making. Nobody, no one else gave Jesus authority to do as he did or to say as he said. In other words, Jesus' authority is not derivative. It is organic. It didn't derive from some uh, institution conferring a degree on him. It came from inside of him. It came from the Father, of course, but it, it came from him. Now, um, this was an issue early on, as I said. So remember when he forgave the sins of the paralytic? That was the very beginning of his ministry. Everybody got up in arms. You can't do that, they said. Only God can do that, they said. Yes, I can, he said. And I just did, he said. And then he proved it by healing the man just like that, right on the spot. So, but very soon after that, right early on in Jesus' ministries, Jesus stopped proving anything to anybody. He had no time for it. He had no use for it. Uh, he also stopped answering questions, which is um, interesting. A search of the Scripture will show you that Jesus only answers questions with questions of his own, back to the questioner. And here's something you probably have already noticed. He still really doesn't answer questions, does he? I mean, you can ask the questions, fire away. Why, O oh Lord, is this pandemic happening? How long, O oh Lord, how long will this go on? Why is this happening to me? When will we see a change in the world? Well, you can ask away. But don't expect an answer. As he told the chief priests and the elders, I will also ask you a question. And the question that he asks us is the same question that he asks us when we question him over and over and over. It is the square one question. It is the only question that really matters, and I would say really helps address 
all of our uncertainties. And the question he asks is this, will you trust me? I will distrust myself. I will trust in you. As our friend Robert Capon says, the Father's will for you, his whole will, his entire plan of salvation, is that you believe in Jesus nothing more. He has already forgiven you. To those of us who are seriously invested in our own plans and our own authority, that kind of message seems irresponsible at best and immoral at worst. That kind of abdication of personal responsibility will clearly lead to no good. Again, where did he get the authority to forgive sins and to invite total trust in him alone? Clearly, they thought this message must be quashed and this man must be stopped. Believe in Jesus, nothing more. There isn't any more. Well, it's not the way of the industrious world, is it? Not, not that. When I was in sixth grade, I'm going to give you an example. Uh, when I was in sixth grade, I wanted a Bjorn Borg tennis racket. Now, Borg was my tennis hero. I was not alone in that. And this is in the 70s when he was winning all the French Opens in Wimbledon. And I was convinced that I needed a Bjorn Borg tennis racket to be successful on my tennis team. So instead of giving me the money to buy a Bjorn Borg tennis racket, my parents did what all good and responsible parents do. They used the opportunity to instill a good Protestant work ethic in me, teach me the value of hard work and money. They told me to go door to door with my lawnmower and knock on those doors and ask my neighbors if they needed an industrious young man to cut their grass. I did not like this idea. Uh, this was not a good idea in my sixth grade mind. But then two things happened. As I was cutting our grass down by the road, a neighbor drove up to our yard, rolled down his window and said, hey son, Want to make some money cutting my grass? You can use my mower. <laughs> and then shortly after that, I went in a sort of close to shore, uh, on a close to shore fishing trip in Virginia Beach with my friend. One of those um, kind of 50 person boats where everybody bottom fishes. It's not really skillful fishing, uh, but it was fun for a sixth grader. Now, my friend's father, put a few bucks in the ante uh, for me for the biggest fish caught pool, uh, betting pool that they had that day. Lo and behold, I caught a five pound sea bass, which turned out to be the boat's biggest fish. So I went home with 150 bucks, which was a princely sum for a 1976 grader and more than enough to cover my Bjorn Borg tennis racket. Nice try, Mom and Dad. 
Not a good lesson in the Protestant work ethic. But you know what? A great lesson in the grace of God in which Protestants are supposed to believe. Jesus said it himself, John 6, 29. This is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one he has sent. So one last time, I will distrust myself. I will trust in you. In the end, the authorities won, at least in the short run, they killed Jesus. But little did they know that his death was Jesus's final answer to the world. It is finished, he said from the cross. And so it was, and so it is, and so it ever shall be. Amen.